do it yourself. Do the work yourself. Create, build based off of your skill set. If it's video, go get it. If it's audio, go get it. If it's written text, go get it. Lean into your skill set. Don't outsource it to AI. When you are great, then you can do that. But for now, go from mediocre to good and then from good to great. Welcome to Creators Gonna Create, the TAC Network original produced by Share Your Genius. This conversation around the creator economy and B2B is just beginning, so let's get into it. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Creators Gonna Create. This is a special one today. You've been listening to me for the last couple of episodes, but today we have my friend, Ross Simmons, who is the CEO and founder of Foundation Marketing. He's amazing. He's been on previous podcasts with me. He's about to drop a ton of knowledge when it comes to the creator economy. We talked about AI. We talked about content creation. If you're not following Ross, he is a must follow on LinkedIn and actually all social media. We're going to make sure to drop all of his information in in the show notes below, but enjoy the episode and hope to catch you all on the next one. So... Ross, you know, how did you become a creator? And, and, and kind of the second piece of that question is, when did you know this was something you wanted to pursue? Yeah, I became a creator kind of accidentally. When I was in university, I started a fantasy football blog because I wanted to be able to pay for my tuition. And I loved fantasy sports. I loved football. So I started to write about this with all of my extra spare time. Um, At the time, I was doing this because I wanted to have a little bit of side income to be able to pay for a few great nights out on the town and things like that. So I was able to use this fantasy blog to kind of fund that as well as some of my tuition. You fast forward, I took that experience of creating online and pivoted to starting to create content online about what I was studying in school, which happened to be marketing. The reason why I had to do that was simple. My mom had a conversation with me where she essentially was like, look, Ross, your marks are going down, traffic is going up, but I don't care. You have to graduate. So I went all in and started to write at rossimmons.com about marketing. And I got an email probably about one year after I graduated from an organization out of Miami. They're a Fortune 500 company. And they were like, we just read a blog post that you wrote on how to do marketing to millennials. This is back when millennials were still young and hip and cool. And they were like, can you fly down to Miami? We'll cover it. We'll put you in a nice hotel, dinners, blah, blah, blah. Meet with our CMO, our C-suite. We just want you to talk about this. I live in the middle of nowhere, Nova Scotia, Canada. So to get this email was a complete mind twist. When it hit my inbox, I was like, this can't be real. Must be a spam. Turned out it was real. They brought me down. I did my thing. I spoke and my entire world changed from that moment on because I realized in that moment that if I create things on the internet about business, about my ideas, that opportunities can show up and I can monetize them for the rest of my life. Love that. I'm huge into fantasy sports as well. Nice. Just, nice. You know, I, I didn't win any championships this year, unfortunately, <laughs> but I, I, honestly, injuries killed me this year. Who's your favorite team? Are you still doing fantasy? Like, Are you in a bunch of leagues? I just won my fantasy championship. So I am the current champion in my fantasy league. Um, it's been going for probably... 20 years now, me and the same group of guys, we've been in this league and I don't publish my content on fantasy sports anymore. I do 
subtly deep down in my heart wish I would have kept that fantasy blog alive and continued to produce, but I don't anymore. I'm also a diehard Eagles fan. Uh, we took a, a rough loss most recently in the playoffs, which was not pretty, but I've been a diehard Eagles fan for a very long time. So um, that's kind of my stick. I do love the Eagles. I originally got into marketing because I wanted to be their social media manager someday. I don't think I would take that job offer now if it came my way, but at the time that was kind of my original aspiration and goal. And, and no shade to that role whatsoever. Yeah. Just at this point in my career, it's not something that I would probably be able to to take on. Love that. No, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely I was I was rooting for you all. I'm a huge Patriots fan, being from the Boston oh, area. Nice. So we, you know, Bill Belichick finally stepping down, but we've got Mayo stepping in. So I'm excited, hopefully, for a good 2024 20, and 25 and beyond that. So yeah. now. Love the story of how you became a creator. It's amazing because there's a lot of people that want to do it. Did this coincide with you creating your business? And I'm curious, like, how has it been building your business and community at the same time? Yeah, good question. So it, it coincided with my obsession with just business in general. Over the course of my life, I've run a lot of different businesses. I've always been a creator in the sense of wanting to run my own thing. I sold do-rags out of my locker when I was in high school. I sold Christmas wreaths with my grandfather. Like that was our hustle together. Um, and then you fast forward over my life, I've run everything from event companies to coffee companies to cleaning companies and so much more. So I'm just like a, a creator in nature and I love to build things and see how the market responds to them. But it would coincide with my interest in the internet deeply. And the interest that I had in the internet was this idea that no matter where I'm from, no matter where I live, I have the ability to create things online that can reach thousands, if not millions of people at scale while still living in Nova Scotia, which was a concept to me, even today, that is wild to think is possible. And for me, I think it's a uh, it's a tribute to what is possible with the internet. So it coincided most, for me, of the biggest mind shift of my entire career that fundamentally changed the way that I approach life entirely. Love that. No, that's, that makes 100% sense. And it's like, and I'm curious because I feel like being a thought leader, and it's, I'm, I've followed you for years on, I guess, Twitter, X now, LinkedIn. We've done a podcast on yeah. our, my old show as well. So like- yeah. Has being a thought leader and a creator giving you an edge when it comes to your business? There's no better feeling going into a sales call when I know that the person on the other end of that recording has followed my content for years. Because the sales pitch is not a pitch. It's a conversation. And the conversation typically starts with, Ross, first, I just want to thank you for all of the things that you put out there. And if I hear those words, I know that this person is already bought into our philosophies. They're bought into our beliefs. They're bought into the way that we think about distribution, about content creation, about SEO. They're bought in. So for me, there's no question that being a thought leader in this space has paid significant dividends because the close rate is so much higher when someone comes to us who has subscribed to our newsletter for five years, for six years, someone who actually learned their industry, the craft on the back of some of the materials that I developed. And then they got into a position by reading, consuming my content, and then applying it in their own job and eventually getting enough promotions where they can make a decision around budget to invest in a team at foundation. That is the ultimate unlock and the ultimate edge that I've been able to achieve by investing in creating content online and telling stories online. 
originally I knew right away that it would be very difficult for me, some random guy out of Nova Scotia, to be able to walk into boardrooms with C-suite executives and do deals. I had no reputation. I had no uncles who could give me an internship to work in SaaS. I had no leg up to be able to win in that market. So I said, how can I do this? How can I get into this game? I went into communities. Back in the day, there was one called growthhackers.com. There's one called inbound.org. And I allocated time and energy in my week every single day to just create things on these platforms to increase the value that was not even like there's no point score out there in the internet that says, oh, you've got more points. But in my mind, it was a point game where I needed to add value to the internet. And every time I press publish on something, it would increase my value in the market. So I needed to create things. I needed to create difficult things. I needed to create insightful things. And over time, that investment would eventually pay back dividends. And now I'm at a point where the dividends is starting to show fruition. Um, and it's from those years of creation. I love that. That's, you know, <clears throat> I'm curious on your thoughts on this, because you said something that made me think about this. I, you know, I've been creating on LinkedIn for about four years now. And right. so I've always treated LinkedIn, oh, you know, it's a great platform. It's honestly where I got my start. I'll always remember it. I'm obviously big into diversification now, owned yeah. media, all of those things. But the more I've thought about it lately, and obviously, you know, no one writes for the algorithm to a certain degree, but mm. someone in Justin Welsh talks about this and a few other people talk about it is treating LinkedIn and maybe other social media channels as a game and like you're right. playing the game to right. win. And I'm curious, I've never thought of it that way, but yeah. this year I'm going to change my mindset around that. And I'm curious, cool. like if you have the same thing. Yeah, I've, I view business as a game at large, in life in many ways as a game. And I came across a post on this when I was very young on Quora where someone talked about how life can be viewed as a game. And for me, I think there's sub games that all of us get to play and we decide to play. And one of those games could be something like LinkedIn. And when you go into it with that mentality, you have to now start to understand the cheat codes. You need to start to understand, okay, how do I want to play this game and how do you play it to win? So for me, I do think holistically around game theory when I apply myself to like decisions that I need to make and going up against different problems all the time. But the best framework that I have applied to these channels is around thinking like an investor. So when I view a channel, I view it as a a bank account that I need to invest in. I need to put money in. And that money that I put in can come in through two different ways, either time and energy, or it can go in through actual dollars. If I'm spending time and energy, then I'm actually creating things, I'm producing things. If I'm spending money, then I might be paying for distribution. Those are the investments. And the amount of investments that you put into an account for a certain amount of time is going to determine how much you can get back from it. There are some bad investments that you can make in different channels. For example, if you go into a channel like Twitter and all you do every single day is tweet out articles to, to your blog posts, you're probably gonna have a low growth. The same way that if you invest in low risk stocks or bonds or something like that, you're gonna have a low rate of return. But if you say, I'm going to invest every single day to create some of the best carousels on LinkedIn. I'm going to create some of the best threads on X. I'm going to write the most in-depth blog posts for search. Whatever your investment level is, you should be able to reap that benefit and get that ROI back. So for me, I always think about it as an investment. If I'm going to spend $1,000 worth of time to create this asset, I need to get $1,000 back. That $1,000 doesn't necessarily need to be 
ring the cash register today. Maybe it's two months from now, maybe it's six months from now, or maybe I let that simmer for such a long period of time that it's actually 50,000 in a few years. Like you have to figure out what that looks like for you, but that's the mindset that I always embrace when I'm going into different channels. That's that's honestly such a, a brilliant mindset because I feel like not many people have that. And the way that you mm-hmm. talked about that, that's something right. that I'm gonna I'm gonna take because um, and I'm gonna make sure to highlight that when I put this ever out because I think that's incredibly important for people to start thinking like that. Um, sure. Let's talk about like learning the ropes because again, a lot of people. Yeah. So I'm building a creator 101 guide right now, and this cool. is for people that just want to get started. A lot of people that listen to this show are like. They're in B2B, it doesn't matter. Sales, marketing, doesn't matter. You just want to be a creator. And I'm curious, two questions. What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone that's aspiring to become a B2B creator today? And then the second piece of that is, what channels would you tell them to to double down on? And I don't know. I mean, for me, I'm on pretty much everything right now. I don't know where you're focusing your time, but I'd love to, to unpack that. Yeah, I think if I'm talking to someone who's getting started in B2B and they're trying to create content on this niche, the first starting point is to make sure that you are fully immersed into the space in which you're trying to go. And I would start there, like become obsessed with your industry, your niche, and own the fact that this is where you're going to play for a very long time. It's very easy to see the shiny thing, the shiny object that might be happening in the world of D2C and say, I need to create content that's also going to resonate with the D2C community because look how much likes this person got. Or I need to create content on email because look how much content or responses that Chase got. You don't want to play that game. Become obsessed with your space, with your niche, with the language that you want to go to the market with and be ridiculously focused on just that. I remember early days, I, my focus was just pure play social media. When I first got into the game, social media was new. Social media was this thing that was just starting. So I went into a library because I was still out, just fresh out of university. I booked a room and I went into a room. I printed off every blog post that Seth Godin ever wrote and I just read them. And I just started to underline them and like take pictures. I was just like obsessed over understanding social media. And I didn't create anything on that topic until I was like, okay, I got it. I can talk with confidence about these ideas, and then I started to create. So my first piece of advice, long story, a little bit long, is to become truly obsessed with your space, become an expert, know your stuff, and then start creating the things. From a channel lens, do the things that align with your best skill set. Not everyone is good in front of a camera. Not everyone is good with audio. Not everyone is good with written word. Depending on the your skill set, depending on your talents, Go where you can be great because there's a lot of mediocrity showing up on a lot of different channels thanks to AI. When you look at content in your feed, a lot of times we're seeing time and time again, mediocre status updates, mediocre tweets, mediocre carousels even that are using AI, mediocre comments that are all written by AI. And it might feel like, oh, I can get so much more done using it. Yes, you can. And AI has a role to play. But when you're early on, I encourage you to actually grind it out because by grinding it out, creating that content from your own brain, writing it with your own fingers is actually going to be the work that is going to benefit you the most long-term because you need to build the muscle memory to be able to think through what does a good lead look like in a status update 
What does the first slide in a carousel actually sound like? How do I lure someone in? If you were just asking ChatGPT, you're not building the muscle memory that you need to actually do that yourself, and you won't even be able to see it and know it when you do consume it. That is a key piece. Let me say that again. You need to be able to know it when you see it. And the only way that you can know it when you see it is to actually do it. So I encourage people to not outsource their thinking to AI, especially in the early days. Do it yourself. Do the work yourself. Create, build based off of your skill set. If it's video, go get it. If it's audio, go get it. If it's written text, go get it. Lean into your skill set. Don't outsource it to AI. When you are great, then you can do that. But for now, go from mediocre to good and then from good to great. That's great advice. You know, and I feel like LinkedIn has become so noisy. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 be it's already noisy because everyone, you know, wants to to create, but then now that they're into, you know, doing their own AI types of things right. as well. Yeah. They I get it. They want everyone to become a creator. They make more right. money than people on the platform, but it's so easy to spot who's mm -hmm. using AI when it comes to comments, mostly because the emojis are in there. It just doesn't yeah. read like an actual human. Right. And, I want people that are listening to to know this. Like, please, especially like like you said, if you're just starting out, do not yeah. use AI. Like, I I dabble in AI for a lot of automation within my own stuff, but you can never replace that human touch. Yeah. And I think people think that they can use AI to get into the game, but yeah. because it's so noisy, you're just going to get lost in the sea of sameness. I think. I think at the end of the day, AI is not at this point a full replacement for creators, writers, anybody in, in the game, so to speak. Yep. What it is though, is an augmentation tool for someone who is great. I think you give a mediocre writer AI, they're gonna still produce mediocre work. If you give a good writer AI, they're gonna create good work. If you give a great writer AI, they're gonna create great work faster and more efficiently and more effectively. So what I do believe is that AI is an accelerator of someone who is already good, who gets best practices, who understands their audience, who understands the subject matter that they're creating content for. But you have to be that so you can modify what you get back to turn it into something better. A lot of times people are just copy and paste it and they get trash, trash in, trash out, simple as that. But you have to be good at knowing what you're seeing and then adjusting it to make it better. That's my belief. Love that. 100% with you. B2C obviously has led this for, for a long, right. long time. B2B is way behind. So many people think that becoming a creator is just doing sponsored posts with brands and like that's it. Right. It's, it's yeah. all, for me, it's all about a partnership. What excites you most about the current state of the creator economy? And then on the yeah. flip side, is there anything that kind of concerns you about it in B2B specifically? In 2018, I created a video where I talked about how B2B influencer marketing was the next big thing. And I was so, so wrong because I thought that it was going to happen in 2019. I thought it was going to happen in 2020. And even today, the market has yet to react to the opportunity that exists by leveraging influencers in B2B. It's happening across some organizations, but at scale, this is still one of the most underinvested in opportunities that I believe exists in B2B marketing engines today. And I think it's a shame because there's so much opportunity because there's never been so much fragmentation across different niches and different industries where individuals have built specialties 
that align with different products that gets you access to exactly who you want to speak to. If you are a creator who speaks exclusively to CFOs, you are, in my opinion, to any financial product, a goldmine. And organizations who start to realize that are going to start to unlock a lot of more unique opportunities, in my opinion, around engagements. It's not just about let me sponsor your newsletter and put up a, a logo. It's more so around let's have a conversation where you tell me what you think could work. Those have been from not just me as an influencer, but from foundations providing and supporting brands do it. When we put the ownership and the creative responsibility with the creator to have them give us the reco, those ideas work better. This is how things work in B2C. In B2C, you don't go to one of the most creative people on TikTok and say, we want you to read this script and we want you to say it this way and you have to say these two lines and you have to say it this way. It doesn't work. Sure, some brands do it and they flop and they fail, but the ones who win are the ones that say, this is what we want to do. We love this video you did and we love this video you did. We want you to do your thing, but about us. What do you think? And then they come up with three amazing concepts, three amazing ideas that are better than anything your creative team could have came up with because they know their audience better than you do. That's what the future of great sponsorships and great partnerships look like. Empower your creators to create great things and you will get great results because they know their people and they're also gonna have more skin in the game. That's the piece that most people forget. If I give you my idea, I am going to want my idea to be right. So I'm gonna hustle to prove that my idea was the right one. I'm gonna put in more energy, more sweat to get this in front of more people because I want you to work with me again. But if you just dictate exactly what I could do, it, it's not gonna work. That's my advice to more creators is if you can find partners who give you creative luxury, hold on to them with, as much as you can. And if you're a brand and you have a creator, don't put them in a box. Open up the door and let them do their thing. It's so interesting to me because I've been, I've been on both sides of it. I've worked for brands right. where I've worked with creators and influencers and I've worked with brands as a creator myself. And so right. it's so interesting to me how in B2B there's still companies that want to dictate exactly yeah. what that content should look like. And yeah. it's terrible. But I think the reason is there's, there's a lack of education when it mm. comes to this whole creator economy in B2B, which True. is why, I mean, you, you're seeing a few companies do, I mean, you know, Lavender was out there doing their thing. You see right. Hockey Stack a bunch and like, yeah. you see some companies are doing it, but I'm in the process right now of putting together a benchmark report of oh, cool. surveying a bunch of creators and a bunch of brands on like, what one like what are the chart like what do they charge for right. newsletter sponsorships because this doesn't exist in b2b either there's no cool. marketplace or anything like that so yeah. i think similar to you i mean i i do see hopefully at least in tech mass right. adoption happening within the next you know two years or so right but we'll, but we'll see i'm curious on that how do you see the creator space evolving in the next few years like what do you think are those opportunities or the next opportunities to emerge from this? I think there's two huge things that are going to impact the creator economy in the next two years. The first one is continuous unbundling of markets into small niches that one individual creator will own, operate, and run with a ton of success. So for example, let's take marketing in general. Traditionally, there's like B2B marketing influencers. 
what I think we're going to start to see is that this is going to become much more micro at scale, where the influencers are not going to be just marketing influencers. The ones that pay the best and have the best results and actually are able to maximize the most ROI are going to be the ones that are special specialized. So I'm not just a marketing expert. I'm a marketing expert who targets CFOs. I'm a marketing expert who targets CMOs. That's too broad. Let's go CMOs who work in SaaS, something that specific. So it gets very much more niche all the way through to I'm an expert in waste management. I'm an expert in government relations. I'm an expert in backlinks, like whatever it might be. I think we're going to go down a path where across pretty much all industries, we're going to start seeing people like, um, I think her name is the Excel girl, who just focus on one single thing and are really, really good at it, and they own it, and they make a ton of money on it. That's where I think things are going. On the flip side of that, I think we're going to see a surge in the amount of influencers in B2B that are faceless, but are using AI to rise up the ranks in YouTube, in TikTok, in Instagram, and they are actually going to be AI-driven. And these accounts are going to be created at scale, where people are going to be able to create influencers using tools like HeyGen and MidJourney to create a fake person who we are all going to start to follow because they do have great ideas and thoughts and perspectives that they're sharing on social, but it's actually just an AI. And the person behind it might not just run one for marketing, they'll also run one for sales, they'll run one for GTM, they'll run one for SEO, and that person will essentially build a network of influencers that aren't real people. And they will have brands come to them who want to sponsor their influencers, not knowing that some of these influencers are AI and they are gonna make a ton of money on the back of that. So that is another, that's a more far out there idea, but I think it's coming. And I think if we did this recording in 2035, you're gonna say, Ross, you were right. <laughs> that's, <laughs> honestly, that, so I actually could see that happening too. It's. It, I don't know. I, I feel like AI, and trust me, I, I'm a big fan of AI, but I feel like there's going to be so many people that use it to game the system. 100%. That, and it's just, it's going to ruin it for a lot of other people. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 100%. I think it's, um, who was it? I think it's uh, Uncle Ben once said, with great power comes great responsibility. I think AI is that in real life, right? Like all of us have the capabilities of doing everything that I just described. And some people will use that for harm and they will use that and cause issues and problems and challenges. They'll probably even replicate influencers and create new accounts for those influencers and cause a whole bunch of chaos in the market. That's possible. But what's also possible is that some influencers and creators are going to see this opportunity and they're going to be able to scale themselves and create a bunch of very valuable content that they always wanted to, but they couldn't. And on the flip side of that, they're going to be able to spend more time with their kids because they used AI to do things at scale. And that to me is a net win. So if we're able to see more efficiencies and effectiveness so people can live a better life, I'm all for it. But we have to be careful about it getting into the hands of the wrong people and those people doing things that are shady and ultimately give marketers and creators a bad reputation. Couldn't have said it better myself. Amazing. Well, I want to wrap it up with 
Where can people go to find you? You can find me on my personal site, rawsimmons.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Do a quick search for Ross Simmons. If you're going to send me a connection request, just be sure to mention that you heard me on Creators Going to Create. I also have a podcast that I would encourage folks to check out, subscribe, and leave five stars to. It's called Create Like the Greats. I strongly encourage you to check that out. And then finally, I'm on all your favorite social media platforms. My Twitter handle is at the coolest cool. Um, that's across Instagram and so much more. But Nick, thank you for having me on. I had a blast. Creators going to create. Haters going to hate. Let's keep creating and creating things that are great. I appreciate you. Appreciate it, Ross. Thank you. So if you enjoyed this conversation, make sure to go follow me on LinkedIn to read more. Make sure to hit subscribe to this podcast. Hopefully uh, you'll follow along for the journey. This show is a TAC Network original produced by Share Your Genius. 